Uh, and if you've lost the page, it's page 1007. Page 1007. Uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 30 to 37. There's also uh, in your bulletin, in the center page, an outline uh, of where we're going. And so it'll be helpful to have that in front of you as well. Uh, but most importantly, Mark chapter 9. Let me lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak to us by your Spirit, through your Word. And we ask, Lord, that you be working among us as you have been speaking to us, as your Word has been read and sung. We pray now that you continue to do that as, as we consider this passage together. May your Spirit enable me to preach it rightly, clearly and faithfully in, in his power. And may he work in each one of our hearts. May he teach us, rebuke us, correct us, and train us in righteousness that we might be equipped for every good work. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Who is the greatest? Who is the greatest? Well, some of you might remember that famous boxer, Muhammad Ali. Remember what he said? I am the greatest. But, but he isn't, is he? Who is the greatest? Well, let's not make it an absolute question. Let's make it a relatively one. Relative one. Now let's think of a, a couple of people and ask who is greater. The first one, the most reverend and right honorable Justin Welby, Archbishop of Canterbury, Primate of all England. The second one, Sitting right at the back there, Uncle Joseph, senior verger of St. Mary's Cathedral since 1965. Now let me ask you, who do you think is greater? Archbishop Welby or Uncle Joe? In our passage today, Jesus talks about greatness and he talks about greatness in a way that was surprising to his disciples and it's still surprising to us. Remember, Jesus had been further north than even Galilee, which is in the north of Israel. And now he's coming back down and he's passing through Galilee. And this time he's not going to go around through all the towns in Galilee preaching and teaching and healing like he did before. This time he wants to remain incognito. He doesn't want people to know. Why? Because in verse 31, he's teaching his disciples. A little side point for our leaders here. Can't serve everyone all the time. Even Jesus had to prioritize. The last time he was in that area, he was preaching and teaching and healing. Now, he's teaching the disciples. He needs private time with them because he's trying to explain something to them. And he's explaining it to them over and over again. And Mark summarizes this teaching three times in this, in this part of his book. And this is the second time he summarizes it. Look at verse 31. This is what he's teaching them. He's saying this. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. He's teaching them about the death and resurrection that is going to come. But despite his explanation, they don't get it. In verse 32, they don't understand the saying and they're scared to ask. So here it is, Jesus teaching privately as they walk through Galilee. 
until they come to a town there called Capernaum, and there's a particular house in Capernaum they always go to, probably Simon Peter's place. And they finally arrive at the house after a long journey, and they get in the house, and they're all together, and Jesus asks them a question in verse 33. Here's the question. What were you discussing on the way? And you know what? They all keep quiet. Nobody wants to answer. I bet they're all a little bit embarrassed. And why? Well, verse 34. They had been discussing, been arguing with one another about who was the greatest. Now, who are these guys? These are people who had left everything to follow Jesus. And you think that maybe they'd be beyond arguing about who is greatest. But here they are. Normal, sinful people like you and me. Because when you come to think about it, wanting to be great or wanting to be the greatest, that's, that's part of our sinful human condition, isn't it? Remember back in Eve, when the serpent was tempting Eve? Remember what he said? Among the lies to, to make the fruit more attractive, he told the woman she will be like God. And mixed in that somewhere must be a, a temptation to her own greatness. You remember the Tower of Babel, that hide of human rebellion. Remember what they said to each other? They said, come, let's build a tower, a city and a tower that reaches to heaven and let us make our name great. And that's always the temptation for us, isn't it? Those of us who are who are leaders in any, in any field face the constant temptation of wanting our leadership to be good, not for the sake of the people we serve, but, but for our own reputation. And the problem is we, we need to have a good reputation in order to, to serve the people we serve. There's a, there's a legitimate guarding of our reputation, but it, it's so easy to go on from there to, to wanting reputation for its own sake. Those of us who are students want to get good marks, right? Because on, and on the one hand, it's right. It's, it's legitimate concern to do well in our exams, to be satisfied. We've understood the material, to, to get the next place on the rung of our education pathway. And yet, it's so easy to descend again into a, into a desire for academic greatness to assure ourselves we are better than our rivals. Or those of us who are in business. Of course, we want to do ethical, profitable business, but... What we really want to do is beat our competitors. And nothing wrong with sports or, or even healthy competition in sport. But if we're doing it just to achieve greatness, well, it's all, it's all going to fizzle away anyway, isn't it? Look at Muhammad Ali now. And it even comes to the church scene. Now, I read the other day about a guy who wanted to be a pastor. Uh, and someone asked him why. He said something like this. When my minister went away, he asked me to fill in for him, so I did. When I walked into church, everybody stood up. And that felt really good. No one ever stood up for me before when I walked into the room. So I wanted to become a minister. How bizarre. But it's not just that guy. Right? In our church processions, instead of the most important person going first, the line goes from the most junior to the most senior. Uh, the most junior person goes in front and the most senior one goes behind to, to try and reflect something about what Jesus is teaching in this matter. But of course, in our sinfulness, people twist this so they fight to go behind line instead of going in front. Ah, not among 
us, I'm sure. But it does happen. And it's all over the place across churches. Pastors compare with each other about the size of their church. Small group leaders look at each other to see which small group is growing fastest. Musicians look for, for pieces to, to show off their, 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 their talents rather than seeking to lead people to Jesus. Some people look for positions on boards or committees simply to be able to say, ah, they're important. And we think of greatness in terms of influence, in terms of size, in terms of gifting, in terms of achievement, in terms of position. And sometimes we come out more like the builders of Babel than servants of the gospel. And when you're trying to make your name great, and I'm trying to make my name great, eventually we will fight. Like the disciples did on the road. So what does Jesus say to us? Well, look what Jesus said to them. He, he knew what they were talking about. That's why he asked them. And so he sits down. That's what the preachers did in those days. They called them all together. And as they stood around him, he says this in verse 35. If anyone would be first... He must be the last of all and the servant of all. If anyone would be first, he must be the last of all and the servant of all. What does it mean to be the last of all? What does it mean to be the servant of all? Because if that is true greatness, we need to know what it looks like, don't we? Well, Jesus had just told them, actually, in verse 31. Look back at it with me. Here's what Jesus said. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. The Son of Man was the title of a figure from, from Daniel 7 uh, in the Old Testament. He, he's the one who's given the kingdom. He's the one who will rule the world forever. And everyone will worship Him and serve Him. Can't get any greater than that. That's the greatest. And yet Jesus said the Son of Man would be delivered into the hands of evil men and be killed. And you and I know why. Jesus is that son of man and he would be killed because he is serving us. He would allow himself to be betrayed. He would allow himself to be crucified. And on the cross he would bear our sin and our punishment on our behalf. He would face the wrath that we deserve for our sin, our pride, our desire to make ourselves great. He would die the death that we deserve so that we can be forgiven and have the life that we don't deserve. He would serve us. And in doing so, show us God's heart of holy love. That humble service, willing to go to that extent, being to be the last, that is what God calls greatness. And that is why the story doesn't end there. Look at verse 35 again. 
The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. You see, God shows the greatness of his son by raising him from the dead. And in the resurrection, God says, you see, yes, he is the greatest. At the cross, that is greatest. I give my seal of approval by raising my son from the dead. Who is the greatest? It is my son. What does greatness look like? Humble, self-sacrificial service. It looks like the cross. It looks like Jesus. So you want to be great, Jesus says? Be like me. I'm willing to be the last. Left with absolutely nothing. Strung up on a cross naked to die. Abandoned by God and man. Can't be lower than that. I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to give my life for the world. I'm willing to face hell for my people. Can't do, can't serve more than that. You want to be great? The greatest person was the last person. The greatest servant. Greatness is not found the way the world thinks it is. True greatness is found in humble service. Now, Jesus served in a very unique way, didn't he? I mean, you and I can't be the saviors of the world even if we wanted to be. We can't bear the sins of others. We've got our own sin to, to bear. I mean, we can't serve the way that Jesus did. We, we can't be last the way that Jesus was. We, we can't be as great as Jesus. So what can we do? Or what could the disciples do? But Jesus shows them by, by bringing a child into their midst. He must be a little child because Jesus could carry him in his arms. And he says in verse 37, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. want to be great, Jesus says. You receive someone like this in my name. Now, what does it mean to receive someone in Jesus' name? Oh, to do something in someone else's name is to do it on behalf of the other person, to do it with the authority of the other person. If I get a letter that says, Urusan Sri Paduka Baginda, His Majesty's service, I'm don't think it's a personal letter from the king. It's a government officer, isn't it? A government official writing on, on behalf of the government under the king. When we receive a, a child in Jesus' name, we are receiving a child as a servant of Jesus. We're acting on behalf of Jesus in loving the child, in teaching the child, in caring for the child, in pointing the child to him, whatever Jesus would do for this child. And Jesus says, whoever receives such a child, receives me. Now, of course, we could apply this directly to children, and that's, that's fine. So, you can go and 
Offer to be an assistant in Sunday school. Sunday school needs some, kids' church needs assistance. People just help look after the children while the teaching is going on. You could go and help with the refugee children in Agape school. Or go and offer to help with the creche on Sunday mornings. Then come back to the service in the evening. Or go and teach your children or the neighbor's children or your grandchildren or, and share Jesus with them. That, that, that's a pretty good thing. But the application actually is a bit wider than just children. Because, you see, in our society, children are pretty loved and pampered. But not then. In that society, children were looked down on. They were the, kind of like the least in society. They didn't have anything they could offer, anything they could do. They were thought to be of the lowest value. And so what Jesus is saying is, you receive anyone, even the ones of the lowest value. You receive them in my name, you're receiving me. You're serving them, you're serving me. Who else can you serve in our society? Well, there's so many different ways we can serve, isn't there? Think about the elderly. Think about, well, can you visit those who are housebound? Uh, we have a group from Gordon Circle who goes around to visit the people who are housebound. Why don't you think about being part of that? Could you provide transport to church for someone who, who can't drive? Maybe you can do that. There are some wonderful old believers in St. Mark's cozy home. Why don't you go and visit them, remind them of God's love? Well, that, that's just one way. Or what about the, the physically and mentally disabled in Cheshire home? Well, we send a team from cathedral there once a month to encourage the residents. Well, what about helping with that? No one's going to put your name in light for it, but that's a good thing to do, isn't it? Well, we can think about our foreign workers, the Nepali workers. How can I bless a Nepali worker? Well, I could just give them one of our Nepali tracks to tell them about Jesus, how they can be in contact with us. Or maybe I could drive the van each week to, to, to go to the various hostels to pick up workers, to take them to church. We can think of all different ways that we can serve, all different ways that we can receive others in Jesus' name. Ways that we can serve. Because whatever I do, if I can sacrifice for the service of somebody else, to enable them to hear of Jesus' love, to receive the benefits of his death, and they can't reward me for it, well, that's a good thing, isn't it? You see, the world has got completely different ideas about greatness. Completely different. People in the world think that greatness is in all kinds of other things, oh, like titles, like Dato Sri or Tun or Very Reverend Doctor. Well, you might even see that in front of my name. But let me remind you, titles don't make a person great, do they? God's not impressed. The world might think greatness is in fame. Let me remind you, fame will disappear. A hundred years' time, no one will remember anyone in this room. The world thinks that greatness is in money. But we know we can't take it with us. When we're gone, it's gone from us. World thinks greatness is in the empire you build, whether it's a business empire, or a political empire, or even a ministry empire. But all empires will fall. God's make sure of that. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but they don't make you great. So we mustn't think about greatness from the world's point of view anymore. It doesn't matter if you're given a title as a leader. It doesn't matter whether or not you're given recognition by the church or by other people. It doesn't matter if you're on the hierarchy or climbing the hierarchy. It doesn't matter if people say you're really special or they don't. It doesn't matter. Those things are not important. Ultimately, they're irrelevant. What matters is what God says. What matters is what God thinks. And God says that true greatness is found in humble service. So yes, by all means, pursue greatness. God's kind of greatness. Serving God and his people humbly. Loving and caring for those who, who can't respond. Bringing the gospel to people who don't deserve it. Sacrificing like Jesus did. Jesus sacrificed so that you and I could be saved. He served us. And How about we sacrifice so that others can be saved as well? And not just for the people that the world thinks are important, but for all the people. And do it in such a way that people doesn't matter if they say, oh, he's very great or she's pretty amazing. doesn't matter because we're doing it for Jesus, isn't it? And if you receive a child in Jesus' name, Jesus says, you receive him. And if you receive him, you receive God the Father. And that is the highest honor indeed. So let's go back to the questions at the beginning. First question, who is the greatest? Jesus. And what does true greatness look like? Self-sacrificial service. It looks like the cross. And we know that is right because why? God raised him from the dead. He showed that the one who made himself last is actually the greatest one. And so we know that true service, true greatness is humble service and that will be seen when? At the resurrection. It will be seen in your resurrection and mine. And so the second question, who is greater, Archbishop Welby or Uncle Joe? Friends, I've got absolutely no idea. The world will have an opinion on it, but God is the real judge and he sees greatness differently from the world. There'll be many surprises on that resurrection day. But more importantly, we've seen that the question is the wrong question, isn't it? We shouldn't be looking at each other and trying to work out who is greater. Jesus is the greatest, we know that. And after that, you don't worry about it. Lah. We are to just go and serve humbly. Not expecting reward and recognition now, but knowing that God will reward us at the resurrection. True greatness is found in humbly serving like Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you 
that the Lord Jesus has loved us and served us. Thank you that he served us by dying on the cross for our sins, by taking our place. Thank you that you have shown that this one who was last is actually the first. That you have raised him from the dead and exalted him as the Lord of all, the Son of Man who rules the world forever. And we pray that you help us to be people who follow in his footsteps. who are willing to serve humbly now. who are willing to lovingly receive all kinds of people for the sake of Jesus. Because we know that those who receive them receive Jesus and those who receive Jesus receive you. Please change the way we think about greatness that we might see it your way. And so live to serve humbly like Jesus. And we ask this in his name. Amen.